Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Friday morning. Thanks for joining us and starting your weekend at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there. Our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru at Strange Brew Coffee House or at Brupolo up there in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie. Actually, this one may be not that weird. Maybe the name would be weird, but if their Brupolo was in Madison, I could totally see a strange brew in Madison. I thought that was like kind of a a conversation at some point. Might have been that there there might be one in in the metro. You didn't, you didn't area. have the brick budget to uh, to <laughs> yeah. put it in Madison. You gotta have a, a brick. Look, he's he's already dealing with the sign thing. You know that yeah, might just be that might be too much. He didn't want any part of uh, Mayor mm-hmm. Mary and, and her regime. Too too many rules there in Madison. Yeah. Well, wherever you, you are, you can't. I mean, he, Shane is kind of like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, you okay, can't tell I'm him listening. what to do. I mean, you, you can't tell him what to do. I mean, he's kind of his own man. It would not be wise to <clears throat> knock two hot coffees together. Maybe iced coffees and yeah, spill that, them over your face. I wouldn't do it with hot coffee. Yeah, let, let's not let's not get the blueberry coffee out there and splash them together. And no, no, chug them down. Well, wherever you are in our fine state, you can always get some strange brew coffee delivered right to your door. All you've got to do is go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and place an order for shipping. Whatever kind of coffee machine is sitting on your front counter, they got you taken care of at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner, that's the place that has the biggest and best selection of MSU merchandise in central Mississippi. Two locations to serve you down there in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. You can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Whatever you're looking for, for yourself, for your family, for your house, for your car, for your tailgate, whatever it is, if it's MSU, they've got it at College Corner. Humble Taco, Starkville's best Mexican restaurant over there on University Drive. Different. That's the the big word, but different in the best possible way. When you're tired of eating the same old, same old at the Mexican restaurant, when you're tired of you know, the nachos and the burrito and the rice and beans, and you want something different, you go to Humble Taco. They've got a great selection. And whatever kind of eaters you've got, if you've got picky eaters, it doesn't matter. they got you taken care of at Humble Taco. There's something on that menu for everybody, including the best tacos in town. Head over to Humble Taco, grab a margarita, grab a, some chips and salsa, and grab some tacos. You can't get anywhere else, only at Humble Taco. Firehouse Subs, that sounds like a great idea for lunch today. Why not do that by downloading the Firehouse Subs app? Place your order online. It's ready within minutes. Also, you get a ton of reward points. You're just piling them up. You're eating free sandwiches. I know a lot of controversy right now about inflation, things of that nature. Keep it easy on yourself. Try to get free sandwiches. You can do it with the uh, the, the uh, Firehouse Subs app. Locations in Starkville and Oxford, Columbus and Tupelo, Floyd and Madison. That's Firehouse Subs. we got a lot to talk about today, Robbie. 
This could be a big day for Mississippi State. Could be a very big day. We yes. feel confident that it will be a pretty big day. <clears throat> One of those things that we've kind of been expecting, but we've been through this before, Brian, on this show we, we, with we, Isaiah Mosley. We, I mean, we've kind of been through it in, in multiple sports. Well, we did it. But, I remember last year we did a, a, a football recruiting pod maybe about two weeks before signing day. We were like, man, there's a lot of positive momentum. And we mentioned names like Stone Blanton and Kamari Rogers and Shane Otis. They're like, so I'm a little, I'm a little loath to do this, to be totally honest with you. In fairness, State did close pretty strong in football. They, they got Percy Lewis. They got DeCarlos Nicholson. They did. Uh, Travion Williams. So signing day was not bad. But no, no, it could have no. been much better. But right. I do not think, Brian, we're going to see a repeat of Isaiah Mosley. I'm, I'm speaking cautiously, but I think it's going to work out good. Well, then let's jump into it. Today at 4 o'clock, on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, Chris Parsons will announce his commitment live, and we expect that commitment to go for Mississippi State, and he will become the quarterback in this class. And with him will come the thought that the future is now, and still from my, my end zone 11 brother, dog season 12 there, uh, that Mississippi State and Mike Leach will at some point tw- make some tweaks, make some changes, and we will see a new style of air raid offense under Mike Leach with Chris Parson. That's down the road. What does this commitment mean now for Mississippi State? Well, it, it's just good to get your quarterback on board. Absolutely. You don't want to get into you know, September, October, November, and you don't have a quarterback because it's kind of like basketball usually – in baseball, too, to, you know, baseball, probably more um, extreme example. The quarterbacks usually, they commit early and they stick. You know, and it, it's kind of, a, you know, ironic that we're mentioning this about Chris Parson, but that's a little different circumstance. Uh, getting your quarterback on board usually is, is something that kind of gets the ball rolling in your class. And for Mississippi State, it just kind of solidifies your class a little bit. You already have some good pieces in it. Now you have the centerpiece in Chris Parson to work around. And also what it does is I think it opens the door for some even bigger names down the line for Mississippi State this year. Uh, I think there's several guys in this class that Chris Parson is connected to that that could be um, Bulldogs eventually because you get him on board. A quarterback is just so important. I mean – just look at what Texas is doing since they've gotten Arch Manning. They're mm-hmm. going to go out and get some really good skill position players. And, they have. and, even, and even offensive linemen. And, and and beyond that, some defensive guys because that's a big name. Um, Chris Parson is not up there as far as a big name as Arch Manning. But we're talking about a guy that a few weeks ago was the talk of Elite 11, mm-hmm. which is the most prestigious quarterback camp out there uh, or quarterback competition, I guess you could say. Um, and I think that evaluators should take note of that, that this guy was one of the most impressive quarterbacks from a passing standpoint at Elite 11. And evaluators probably need to put a little more emphasis on that. Right now, I mean, Chris Parson could be a lot higher than, than he is, in my opinion. Um, so, And I'm not just saying that because it looks like he's going to go to Mississippi State. I, I think he's a much better quarterback than he's been given credit for on his evaluation. So um, I think it's a it's a huge pickup. I think it's a huge 
uh, step in a different direction for Mike Leach. We're talking about a guy that <laughs> is not your prototypical air raid quarterback. But having said that, I don't think we need to put a label on him, you know, as a dual threat. I, I feel like when we say dual threat, we're, we're saying that the quarterback is just – the emphasis is on his legs. And we mm-hmm. take away a little bit of the, the uh, skill that they have throwing the football. I think this quarterback is fully capable of being – a really successful quarterback in the air raid. And having a guy that can scramble around and extend plays with his legs, if he sees green grass, he can take off and run for 20 yards. That's scary for an air raid offense. That's really scary. So uh, I think it's a, a, a just a really big commitment for Mississippi State. If it does come through, and I'm you know, we're expecting it too, but we are. I, I think it's I think it's a big one. One thing you hit on there that I, I'm going to disagree with you with, not, not that I think he shouldn't be ranked higher, but I fully expect Chris Parsons to be an 86.5 uh, in the coming days. And I think MSU fans should brace themselves for the same. He will drop in ranking within three days of this commitment. What are you disagreeing with me on? What did I, what did I say that you well, disagree you, with? You said that you think he'll, he, he, you know, evaluators should look at him and he'll shoot up in the rank. He should shoot up in the rankings. That's not going to happen. If I was going to look at the Mississippi State, I didn't say I didn't say that they. I said that they should. Yeah, I said that they. I said I. I I didn't say that they are. I said they should. Well, I I say that they. I I don't expect them to. I I really don't. I mean, I know they're going to look at that and they're going to look at that and they're going to say, "Well, he left Florida State." They're not going to look into that and say, "Well, you know, I think it was because they were recruiting somebody else." No, they're not going to look at that. They're going to look that he had, you know, SMU in his finalist, Virginia Tech, and he went to Mississippi State. And they're going to completely discount Mike Leach and his ability to find guys that fit his offense well, despite the fact that he put on a show in the Elite 11 finals. He was one of the top 11 quarterbacks in the country, according to uh, many. So, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know how you could justify that after the summer that he's had. Well, that's the beauty of uh, recruiting rankings, Robbie, is that there is no justification that these guys just sort of do what they want and and there's no, you know, there's what are we going to do? So I expect uh, within three days, maybe a week at most, uh, Chris Parsons will be a three-star player uh, in this class. That doesn't well, change anything. A, he's ahead. already a three-star on our side. So. Right. Well, I'm talking about three-star overall. I, just, I think he'll take, he'll take a drop. Um, that said, it doesn't mean anything. You know, is it, your talent doesn't change when you you knew that. And, and I'm going to always trust a Mike Leach quarterback evaluation. You know, he, he I think he knows I think he knows a thing or two about what fits his system and what he wants to bring in. That's why the Parson thing is so interesting because he is different than almost any quarterback Mike Leach has ever recruited before. Um, and I'm interested to see. You know, one of the things I talked about on uh, Thunder and Lightning Live two weeks ago was. You know, Parson is a freshman in 2023. He's not taking the reins anytime soon, right? At best, at absolute best for him would be 2024 because Will Rogers will be the starting quarterback next season. So maybe you get a situation where Sawyer Robertson decides he's got, he wants to go ahead and go and Parson can come in and beat out Braden Locke. Maybe that's the situation. Um, but what does State do in the meantime? If they want to, you know, so that they're not in year one of Parson making a lot of wholesale changes to what they want to do. 
Or is it even that? Is it, you know, you you sort of discussed it there. It's not about adding quarterback runs to the, the play calling. It's more about having a quarterback who can keep plays alive longer in the passing game. Right. I don't think that you have to make these wholesale changes to this offense, you know, just all of a sudden start running the read option, you know, most of the time. I don't think that has to happen so much as I think you just have to have quarterbacks that are capable of pressuring a defense with their legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that could be a Luke Altmeyer type quarterback. You know, Luke Altmeyer is a pass first quarterback. He's fully capable of getting out and running the football if they need him to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, Chris Parson, even more so, really good athlete. If he sees that the play is broken down, there's nobody open, and there's only four people rushing, take off. Take off and run. Go find the sticks until so, or d- until somebody brings you down. That's what Mississippi State needs more of. It, it doesn't have to just be that they have to start running the speed option or they have to start running jet sweeps, although that would be nice. It, you just have to have a tweak. You just have to have a guy that is mm-hmm. dangerous enough to get out of the pocket, run away from a, from a defensive end, and get you some, eat you up some yards so it can take defenses out of that zone or out of that drop eight, and you can get into where you feel the most comfortable, which is a man. You mentioned Parson being the kind of player who could possibly attract other recruits to Mississippi State. Are there any names that Mississippi State fans should be watching out for? I know the name Santana Fleming is brought up a lot. That's the biggest one right now. Uh, he's going to attract some some other wide receivers as well. And uh, that's going to be interesting to watch because, you know, the state's good at wide receiver. They, they got a good crop right now, and they've already picked up Justin Brown, who um, who I think is another really good player at Tennessee. They have a possibility to get three really good players out of Tennessee uh, in this class already. And then uh, you have Nakai Poole already on board. You have Jacoby Belazar. How many more guys do you want to take? I mean, I don't think you're going to turn down a four-star wide receiver if he wants to come. So maybe one or two more wideouts, but I think they're going to have a good group of wideouts to pick from. I think there's some guys that are going to pop up on the radar pretty soon for Mississippi State because I, I think that Parson, once he gets on board, he's the kind of guy that I could see being kind of the ringleader of the class. And then, you know, obviously in the state of Mississippi, we've talked about it many times. The state's doing pretty well there. Uh, you know, this is a good year in the state. There's some, there's some talented players. Um, it looks as if Isaac Smith continues to lean towards Mississippi State. Is he the, sort of the defensive Chris Parson? Is that the the top guy on the board defensively for the Bulldogs? Yeah, probably left on the board, probably so. You know, they already have a really good class from the defensive side of the ball, especially in the state of Mississippi when, when you look at the linebackers that they've pulled in. And they already have, a, you know, a really good defensive lineman in Joseph Head who I think is going to kind of fly under the radar a couple of defensive backs. I, I think that he's a guy that can really put, kind of put a cherry on top of the defensive class. And Mississippi State's done a really good job recruiting him. They've, they've kind of they've treated him like a priority when other schools haven't. And I think that's going to go a long way. And we have to wait and see. I mean, that's going to be a, a battle, especially if some of those bigger schools like A&M or Georgia want to push for him. But I think State's in good position for him. It would be nice to get him on board 
you know, relatively soon. I, I don't know how early he's planning on committing, but you don't want to wait him out to December. You'd like to have him right. in to help get other guys. So right. We shall see. But this should be a good day for Mississippi State. Chris Parsons should commit to Mississippi State. If not, we'll come back and talk about that on Monday about where where it went wrong for the Bulldogs. But one more time, remind people where they can find that uh that that broadcast. Yeah, you can go to the two four seven sports YouTube channel. It should be going live at four PM Central, I believe. And um, you know, obviously uh, you need to subscribe to that. It'll notify you when they when they're going live. But um We'll have full coverage of that post announcement if it is indeed Mississippi State. So, do we know if any live Bulldogs will be involved in the commitment ceremony? Uh, I have not heard. I don't know if that is that allowed these days. I mean, somebody had a couple of live Gators a couple weeks ago when they committed to Florida. So, I don't see why you couldn't have a very cuddly Bulldog, you know. That I don't know if I would like. I would with the bulldog. I could go along with. Yeah, a couple live reptiles. No, thank you. They're they're not really. Uh, they're not really the, my, my my forte. So. We'll see what happens with Mississippi State. Chris Parson should be a bulldog uh, by the end of this day. All right, let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef it's what's for dinner. Again, when you're looking for for something to cook out this weekend, you know you want to cook steaks. You know you want to do some burgers for the kids. You know you want to cook beef. That's what you want. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. There's so many great ways to cook beef on the grill. So many different things you can do. You can you can have beef every weekend and not have the same thing every weekend. So get after it. Head to your local uh, meat market or your butcher and get some beef for this weekend. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. I said it very slowly there because I want you wanted to sink in. It's not just barbecue when you go to Two Brothers. There's so much more on the menu than that, but the barbecue is pretty darn good. In fact, it's the best in town. So, next time you're looking for a place to go grab a quick lunch or a great dinner, or you just want to hang out with the guys or the girls after after not, you know, after hours, it's all right there for you in the Cotton District at Two Brothers Smoked Meats, the home of smoked southern soul food. Great products, great service. Every business promises it. Who delivers it? Well, here's a hint. If the place we're talking about has been up and around for 47 years, well, that's probably a good good thought that they uh, they take care of their customers. And that's what you want. You know, everybody can, you know, you can buy stuff anywhere, but Advantage Business Systems gives you the difference. The difference is the service. Anybody sells can sell you a copy or anybody can sell you a printer or a computer, but who backs up the sale after you walk out the door? Who takes care of you? Or who gives you a 1-800 number to call and they tell you to deal with an out-of-state contractor who might be there next week, maybe the week after that. We don't really know when he can get out. You've heard those type of things before. You don't hear them with Advantage Business Systems. You're talking to Mississippi people all the time. Call them today at 601-362-9192 or you can visit them online at absms.com to find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. We got an opponent preview to do today. Like I said, we were a little backed up on that. So we got three left to do because we're skipping Bowling Green. Today is Texas A&M. Let's go right to the interview. Let's talk to uh, Olin Buchanan. He covers the Ag, has been covering them for a long time. For texags.com, Tyler Horka's favorite website. And uh, let's hear what Olin has to say about the Aggies. 
We're coming down to it in our opponent preview series. Only a few games left to look at today. It's the Texas A&M Aggies. So joining me, as he has many times before, Olin Buchanan from TexAgs.com. And Olin, another year of high expectations out there in College Station. But this is a team that has some question marks up and down the roster. We'll start at quarterback. It looks like it's going to be Haynes King again this season. Injuries wiped him out last year. What are you expecting to see from this guy You know, early in the season? Well, if he is the starting quarterback, because uh, I know somebody put out there that they think he's the, the leader, and he may be, but uh, we've got, you know, we don't get to see practice. I don't know who who else has, but uh, uh, we haven't gotten any indication that it's going to be Haynes. I I would guess it's going to be Haynes, though. And if he's if he is the quarterback, um, uh, really, you know what the the sample size of him is 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 very uh, small. But he has shown the ability to make plays off schedule. He has great speed. As a, I don't think he has an outstanding arm, but I think he has a more than adequate one. Um, I think what the Aggies are looking for first and foremost, those are guys that are just not going to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, if they can, if they can get a guy that that can reduce the number of mistakes they've had at the quarterback position, fumbles and and uh, interceptions, and then just um, not get the ball to the right guy. Uh, they could have a really big year, but uh, that has been a problem in the last couple of years. Whoever wins that quarterback battle, they've got some great pieces working around them, especially in the backfield. I love Devon A. Shane. I think he's one of the best athletes in the SEC. Uh, Anaya Smith, when we talked at SEC Media Days, we were concerned that possibly a suspension, but those charges have been dropped and moving forward, so he's clear to go. Some great skill position pieces. Who am I not talking about, though? Who, who's somebody that's uh, maybe off the radar you could see having a big year? Well, of course, everybody's talking about the the five-star kid, uh, Five-star freshman um, Evan Stewart, and you know the coaches are raving about him. All the reports we get out of practices, he's you know he's the real deal. But you know maybe he'll come out here and uh, make the impact Christian Kirk made as a freshman five or six years ago. Uh, but you know you always got to worry if you know they had a five-star guy, Demond Demas, that never really uh, lived up to his potential and uh, is off the team now. So you never know when you're dealing with freshmen, but but he's certainly a guy that has a potential to make a really big impact. And I think one of the guys that they missed, you know, they people focus on the quarterback situation last year as the injuries, but unfortunately the injury situation was uh, far beyond the quarterback. And one of the guys that missed a lot of time was uh, Chase Lane as a, a receiver. Yeah, he's the third receiver, and so typically you don't. I don't know. You don't pay too much of attention to, that, but to guys like that, but you know he's a guy against Mississippi State a couple of years ago. Took a uh, turned a five yard pass to a fifty yard touchdown and made has uh, uh, a knack for making you know the big catches. He doesn't make a lot of them, but the ones he makes is you know he had a big catch against Florida a couple of years ago when they upset the Gators here, uh, and he had a big catch on a third and long that set up. A&M's game-winning field goal, and uh, uh, I think having him back and healthy uh, really adds a lot to the offense. And he's not the type of guy that is going to go out and catch you six or seven passes a game, but he might get two or three that are really big over the course of a game. You said the the, the buzzword for Texas A&M this offseason, freshman. Obviously, that number one recruiting class. A lot of that class was spent on the defense, and I'm not saying spent as a uh, as a punt or anything, Owen. But 
a lot of a lot of great players defensively coming in, especially on the defensive line. Now, you and I both know that young defensive linemen in this conference sometimes, you know, it, it's a tough stretch for them. How talented are, are these guys, and, and can they get up to speed quickly and be contributors in year one for A and M? Well, you know, if you believe those uh, ratings from recruiting services, Walter Nolan was rated higher coming out of high school than Miles Garrett was. Mm. So. If he can do anything approaching what Miles did as a freshman, you're in a good spot. Uh, I can certainly take that. But of course, you know, if you just expect that to be the case, I think then you're just dismissing that Miles was kind of a, you know, a, a, a special player. So you know, you can't just assume everybody's going to do that. I don't. Th- the, the good news for A and M is, uh, especially those defensive linemen. So many of them have come in five stars and high four star guys. Uh, the Aggies don't necessarily have to have them uh, make huge impacts. You know, they, Walter Nolan doesn't have to come in and start like uh, Miles Garrett did uh, back in 2000. I guess it was 14. Um, but no doubt, if he shows that he's ready, they're going to put him out there. But you know, they've got some guys that they feel really good about that were four or five star guys two years ago. So, um, uh, but let's not hit ourselves. There's going to be a lot of uh, Hope uh, that, uh, and maybe some expectations that a guy like Walter Nolan or Gabriel Brownlow Dendy or uh, Anthony Lucas or Shavar Stewart, all these five star guys, that they're going to come in and, and be good players right away. They may not be dominant, but if they can come in and, uh, you know, help your pass rush in obvious passing situations and things like that, um, you know, un- you know, no doubt that. That that'd be a big factor for A and M's defense, and I think uh, if you got four or five guys that are five and high four star guys, you know maybe one of them comes through uh, and is ready to play right away and plays at a high level. But I've learned a long time ago that uh, as good of a freshman, and you were alluding to it, as good as a freshman is and projected to be, until they start, it really doesn't matter until they start doing it uh, in SEC play. If they go out and play really well against Sam Houston, that's great. But you, know, you, you didn't get into this thing to beat Sam Houston. You know, you got in there to try to beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Alabama and Auburn and those guys, LSU. So, uh, uh, yeah, so do we think that they're going to be really good players? Yeah. But uh, until they do it, you know, you have to have a certain amount of apprehension. For some reason, and I, I think if you ask the average college football fan who's who's been who's dominated the series between State and Texas A and M, they would probably all say Texas A and M. But it's split. It's split since A and M came into the conference in 2012. You know, Manziel won the first two games, and since then, State's had a five-three edge. That's three different uh, coaches: Mullen, Moorhead, and and now Leach that have gotten wins over the Aggies. Is there something about Mississippi State or something about Texas A and M that has allowed Mississippi State to have success in this series? Oh, I think, um, <laughs> okay, um, yeah, uh, I think that A&M has, uh, has had some inferior coaching at times. And quite frankly, sometimes Mississippi State's had a better team. Uh, now, did A&M get, let some get away with them? Yeah, get away from them? Without a doubt. Uh, I think, uh, gosh, I always forget the years. I think it was 2016. A&M's number four in the first yeah. uh, playoff poll. Yeah, that's correct. Trevor Knight gets their starting quarterback, you know, uh, separates his shoulder, scoring a touchdown early in the game. 
uh, and that ended up being a pretty pretty good game. But you know what? A and M couldn't stop uh, Mississippi State's defense that whole game. And quite frankly, uh, watching Nick Fitzgerald leave was one of the best things that uh, that Aggies you know watching him complete his his collegiate career, I should say, is one of the best things I think that ever happened to the Aggies because he was just one of those guys that always had their number. Um, but, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I don't think you can point to one thing. You know, some, again, uh, some of those losses was with Dak Prescott at, at quarterback for Mississippi State. Well, you know, he, he's pretty good. We, uh, we root for him a lot here in Texas now. <laughs> uh, uh, and some of them was because, you know, A&M um, – didn't play well, and, and you know, there are just various reasons. I think last year uh, A&M could probably blame themselves as much as anything. You know, they got into the red zone four times and had to settle for field goals three times. And you can say, well, that was uh, Mississippi State playing good defense. There's probably something to that, but um, A&M did have some issues on offense last year. And then uh, uh, I thought, as good a defensive coordinator as Mike Elko was here, I thought he came up with a flawed game plan last year that says, hey, we're going to let you have, we're going to back off so much that you can throw five-yard passes underneath our defense the whole game. And Mike Lee said, thank you, we'll do that. And they did it all the way down the field. And I don't think A&M ever adjusted or Elko ever adjusted. So, you know, um, and gosh dang it, Mike Leach gave A&M trouble when he was at Texas Tech and now he's back in the same division. So you got to deal with him again. I just think that it's uh, it's been two teams that have been uh, very often evenly matched, two programs evenly matched. And I, you know, if you were going to say you were evenly matched with with Mississippi State back in the early two thousands, things like that, that may be uh, you know maybe an indictment on your program. But if you're evenly matched with them these days, for the most part, that means you're evenly matched against a pretty good team. You know, one thing, one joke I like to make a lot of times when I talk about Nick Fitzgerald is if he had been born in Austin in about 1985, he might be the most hated Longhorn of all time. Because he, you're right, he did he did have a lot of success against Texas A&M. Uh, this game, uh, more than yeah, more more than more most. Than we can remember. Yeah, <laughs> this year, this game, you know, comes what. One week before the game against Alabama, which everybody has circled on the calendar with Jimbo and Nick Saban, how concerned are you about this being a potential trap game for the Aggies? I don't think it's a trap game. Um, uh, again, for all the very reasons I've talked about, uh, I think a and aware of what Mississippi State can do and what it typically means to A&M season. You go back and you look at A&M against Mississippi State, and when A&M wins, against Mississippi State, typically they have a good year. When A&M loses to Mississippi State, they're, uh, it usually starts a spiral for them. In 2014, they're undefeated going to Starkville and lost. I think they lost out of the, ne- the next three or four games uh, and finished 8-5. and five. Uh, I, I mentioned that game, I think it was, again, 2016 when they were number four, and they lose that game. Uh, then they lose three of their last. That causes them to lose, uh, results in losing three of their last four. Um, and uh, you know, even last year, uh, if you beat Mississippi State, maybe you know your uh, you know maybe your season goes a little bit better. Even though they did come back the next week beat uh, Alabama, but I just think that uh, I don't think 
anybody's going to overlook Mississippi State, even if Alabama's next pro, uh, next opponent. Now, if there was a trap game, it's probably the trip to South Carolina the week after they play Alabama. But um, I think A&M's taking too many lumps from Mississippi State to look past them no matter who the next opponent is. We'll see how it pans out starting off the uh... – the month of October here in Starkville with Texas A&M. Olin Buchanan from TexAx.com. Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks to Olin. Appreciate his time. Good stuff as always. Robbie, I, I, I will disagree with Olin on one thing. He says he doesn't, you know, the way he says the way that Mississippi State has played against Texas A&M in years past, he thinks it won't be a trap game or a look-ahead kind of game. I can't help but disagree with that just a little bit because of the nature of what's happened this offseason between Texas A&M and Alabama. I think this is a great chance for the Bulldogs to catch A&M looking ahead and get another win over the Aggies. Hey, you could say that all day long that you know you're you're not going to be overlooking a team, but when you've had all this stuff in in the uh, offseason with Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, at this point you you think you're going to be competing for the SEC. Uh, championship, the SEC West, and all that, you're going to be looking towards Alabama. There's there's really no way around it. I mean, these these are still kids for the most part, and they're they're going to be looking towards Alabama more so than they are Mississippi State. I think I've said all offseason, I think it's going to be a factor in this game, and it has in the past. I, I think it is going to matter, and you know, as we've said, I, I think Mississippi State wins this game. Right now, I, it wouldn't shock me to see AM win. They're talented enough to win this game. But if you had to make me give a prediction, which we do, that's who I'm picking. It's Mississippi State. We've seen them win this ball game uh, r- routinely. You know, they had a team in 2020 that wasn't very good, and they were within a couple of touchdowns of a AM team that was really good. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think Mississippi State's going to play a good game here. And as of August the 12th, I'm picking the Bulldogs. Yeah, I just feel like State, for whatever reason, has just had A&M's number through the years. And it's like we, we talked about the other day. It's different It's different coaches, it's different quarterbacks, it's different teams and different setups. But I feel like State should have some early season momentum. They should have a, a decent crowd for this game. That's a real fun day of college football, by the way, that, that October 1st day. There's a lot of good games that day. Um I feel like this should be a night game, just looking at the schedule. It has a chance to be a, a later kickoff, so that'll help the atmosphere. And I, I think especially if, you know, State can get the win against LSU and be, be 4-0 coming into this game, which is, you know, going to be tough, but it's, it's a possibility, then, yeah, you, you, have a real, you have a really good chance to get to this game and get 5-0 and and it really be good uh, if you're Mississippi State. So I think State can get this game for sure. Um, with A&M, I'm just not convinced about Haynes King I'm just not convinced about their quarterback situation, and I'm just not convinced that they have enough up front without, you know, because these freshmen, if State was playing A&M in late November, maybe I'd be, you know, a little more like, okay, by that point, those freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. I'll give you a cliche there. But week four, week five, they're, they're still kind of freshmen. And at this point, they would have only really played a couple of tough games. They'll have played Miami and Arkansas. So I think State can get a win here uh, the same way they did last season. And uh, it'll be a big one for the Bulldogs. It'll it'll give them a lot of momentum and a lot of uh, a lot of publicity at that point. That that if State's four and one, five and zero oh coming out of this game, people are going to start talking about Mississippi State having a big season. So, we'll see what happens. Agree. Right. It's a it's a really important game, and 
for us to to be able to reach what we've predicted, that mm-hmm. our our eight win. wins that we predicted, they need to win this game. Yeah, if, if they lose this game, if they're three and two after LSU and A and M, it's going to be a real hard grind to get to six and six. I think. Yes. But if they can, you know, win those games, and then then you got a chance to have the kind of season that Ole Miss had a year ago, where you could end up in the Sugar Bowl or, or something like that. So we'll see how it all plays out. All right. Countdown time. We got two games to do today. The first one, we're we're into the top fifteen now, so we're doing fifteen and fourteen today. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it. I'll be the first one to tell you. All I know is this: that in nineteen forty, Mississippi State won the Orange Bowl, and when you win the Orange Bowl, you get to put that game on the countdown. So MSU fourteen, Georgetown, the Mighty Hoyas, seven from nineteen forty. It capped MSU's only undefeated season as a school. They finished ten zero and one that year. Yeah, people talk about the forty one team. And you know the, we we always talk about Alabama claiming the national championship in 1941, but they but state won the SEC that year, and certainly I, I understand that. But this team was 10-0 and one. Why is it? Why does it get no national championship love? I've never understood that. Nobody brings it up. I, I guess it's just people just don't know anything about it, and they haven't I mean, really looked into that, it. But outside this fan base, like nobody really knows about it. But I would say inside has, this fan base, nobody really knows about it. The 1940 season. Yeah, well, a lot of you know maybe be maybe below my generation mm-hmm. they don't, but you know, growing up, we all talked about you know state should have won national championship in in nineteen forty. Mm-hmm. Like, is it forty one or forty? Forty. It could be either one of them. To be totally honest with you, forty one. They did lose a game. They were eight one and one. But this team was ten zero and one. They only their only blemish was a tie against Auburn in a game played in Alabama. They outscored their opponents on the season 248 to 58. They had one, two, three shutouts. Nobody scored more than 13 points on this team the whole season. And surprisingly enough, that was Millsaps. They played, they shut out Ole Miss. They shut out Alabama. They shut out uh, Rhodes, who back then I think was a a little bit different. They didn't give up a lot of points that year. They only gave up uh, seven points to Florida and to LSU and to Auburn. Yeah. Well, I, they have as much a claim to a national championship as Ole Miss does. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think in the AP, Ole Miss was not number one in, in any of those years they claimed the national championship. None of Ole Miss's national titles are, are associated press national titles. No, I, I don't even know who selected them national champs. I think one's state should pro- just do state should just do what they do and just claim a national championship and nobody can tell them otherwise. They they, they, they need they to find are some the publication. That that's willing to go back and like finagle the numbers. Yeah, can we get like a Boys Life magazine or something? Did the Mississippi State nineteen forty? Yes, Sports Illustrated for kids in nineteen forty named Mississippi State the national champion. Wait a second, Sports Illustrated for kids? Yes, they were. Yeah, they were. Cigar they, aficionado named Mississippi State the nineteen forty national champions today. It's twenty twenty two. Everybody has their own truth. I know my own truth, so. Listen, anyway. uh, and and uh, we everybody should just do what Ole Miss does for the 2003 SEC West Championship, despite the fact that there's actually an SEC West champion that plays in a championship game, and it was not Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. They still claim the SEC West Championship. So Mississippi State should claim a national championship in the 1940s. There you go. Uh, Who's gonna, I mean, what, somebody going to say that you didn't win it? I mean, everybody's been telling Ole Miss that for years, and it still happened. So looking at this game, not, not a whole lot of box score available for it, but it looks like the touchdowns 
were scored by uh, John Tripson, who uh, recovered a punt for a uh, touchdown in the end zone or in the game. And then Jimmy Castiglia had a touchdown run. Oh, no, he played for Georgetown. Who, 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 who? Okay. I got it now. Okay. John Tripson had the first touchdown, and then Billy Jefferson made it 14 nothing on a two yard touchdown run. But Georgetown wasn't able to score but seven points. 14 7 was the final score. I mean, how did you watch football back then? Total offense in this game 158 yards for state, 229 for Georgetown, three picks for the Hoyas, and they 19 punts in this game. State averaged 37 a kick, Georgetown averaged 29 a kick. Also, 19 penalties in this game. This isn't even the same sport. It's not the same sport. It's crazy. These numbers are, are, are fun to watch, fun to look at. Anyway, that's our number 15 game. Just the historical significance that gets it in there. Our number 14 game on the countdown, our, our clue, Robbie, was heavens to Betsy. Were you able to get it? Was it the... Um. Was it the Michigan game, Gator Bowl? That is correct. Brandon Heavens? That is the, the reference I was going for. Good job. Yes. Uh, yeah, Mississippi State 52, Michigan 14, technically 2011, but it's the, you know after the end of the 2010 season. This is possibly Mississippi State's most dominant win over a Power 5 program that I can ever think of outside of games against like bad Vanderbilt teams and, and things like that. I mean, this is Michigan. I know this wasn't Michigan, what Michigan normally is, but it's still Michigan. They still had the helmets. They still had, you know, go blue. They still had hail to the victors. And they didn't look like they belonged on the field with Mississippi State. State could have won this game by, by, by another two, three touchdowns had they, they really wanted to. Um, Ralph was really good on this day. Uh, Dick Ballard really good on this day. And, of course, defensively, State just ate Denard Robinson for lunch. Interesting that this game, you know, Michigan got off to a really good start, like that first drive. And that was sort of, if you remember the 2010 season, that was sort of the uh, what happened every week. Like Manny Diaz would let, they would score, the other team would score on the first drive, and Diaz would be like taking notes or something like, okay, I got it. And then from there, State would do a pretty good job of shutting teams down. And that's what happened in this game. Michigan first drive, they looked tremendous. State couldn't do anything. And then the rest of the way, State dominated the game. Uh, forced what I think three turnovers in this game, just just complete and total domination. This was about as much fun as a Mississippi State fan could have in a bowl game. Yeah, this this whole season was fun. Really the was. only two games where they really weren't in it was LSU and Bama. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they were probably closer than anybody to beating Auburn that year with Cam yeah. Newton. Yeah, um, that sh- has a chance driving down the field in the last possession had a chance. You had that win against Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, that game against Arkansas that was such a classic that was, that was yeah. a heartbreaking loss. Should have won. Should have won. Yeah. But this one was kind of the culmination of the year mm-hmm. where you're taking that next step with Dan Mullen and you go from the season where you were so close in 2009 to 2010, like everything came together. And by the end of the year, the offense was was clicking. The defense was really good. This game was – Possibly the greatest bowl game performance Mississippi State ever. Yeah, uh, top to bottom, and against the national brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was the end of uh, was it Rich Rodriguez? Last game. Yeah, that was his last game. Yeah. Um. So you know, I, it was just fantastic ball game. State got the nine wins, and you thought 
going into 2011, this was really going to jumpstart them, but it, it really didn't. Yeah. 2011 was, you know, it was kind of a disappointment. But yeah. this year was just uh, – it, everything came together for Mississippi mm-hmm. State. And I think they had a pretty veteran team for the most part. You know, um, Vic Ballard was a, was a JUCO guy. He came in and kind of bridged the gap after State lost Anthony Dixon. And they – basically gave the reins to Chris Ralph and he was able to do what Dan Mullen needed his quarterbacks to do. Yeah. State that year finished nine and four and ranked 15th nationally. Here's the four teams they lost to Auburn, LSU, Alabama, and Arkansas. Those teams finished first, eighth, 10th, and 12th. I mean, it, this is one of those legit years where you look at state and you're like, would they have won the Big Ten? There, this the is Big a Ten really champion good team. that year was Ohio State, who went twelve and one. They beat Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl, but I mean, gosh, it really feels like state would, if they had been in a different conference, might have played for a national title that year. Well, I mean, they lost. They lost four conference games, but mm-hmm. two of them were were within grasp with Auburn and Arkansas. Yeah, and th- this is when the SEC West was just. This is easily tough, the best year is, of the West because I mean, God, four, Alabama and Auburn, obviously, what they were. LSU was a top ten. Was that a was that a year removed from national championship? No, the next they year they in? would play for the national championship. Okay, I thought they played in 09. Bama no. played in 09. Though, Bama sure. Bama was the defending national champions coming into this year. But LSU was good enough to to win a national championship. Auburn had Cam Newton and one of the greatest seasons of anybody ever. Arkansas was really good that year. They had Ryan Mallett at quarterback. Yeah. The SEC West was a absolute killer. Again, there's only six teams in the West at this time, right? AM hasn't joined the conference yet. Five yeah. of the top five of the six teams in the West were in the top fifteen in the country. And then you mm-hmm. had Ole Miss, who had a really poor year under Houston Nutt. He was a year away from getting canned. That so, was the year where they lost to Jacksonville State. Yeah, this is the Masoli year. Yes, Jeremiah Masoli. Remember the Jeremiah Masoli Twitter account? Rebel Masoli? Yes. Yes, I remember. I, I, I have contributed oh, to that account. That was... Those were good times. I hate uh, that went away. Well, I mean, it's no longer relevant at this point. Yeah, yeah no, but I would but, still uh, laugh at it today. Oh, it's still good stuff. Um, But yeah, this was a, a fun year. Really fun year for Mississippi State. You know, because... Mullen had sort of delivered on the promise of where things are going to get better. And then you're right, 2011, there was a lot of hype coming into that season, and it didn't deliver. But, of course, better times were ahead for Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. All right, uh, looking ahead to next week, we'll uh, preview, I guess we'll talk Mississippi State on our SEC preview. And then, of course, our opponent preview will be the LSU Tigers. So we'll have somebody join us uh, to talk about that. We will have uh, a recap of what happens with Chris Parson. Uh, regardless of what happens, although we feel like it's going to be good. And then our games for, uh, let's see, just for our Monday show, Robbie, here's, I'll give you one. We're doing 13 and 12. Um, we'll do for 13, where does Visor go? Where does Visor go? Yeah. Don't say it. Don't give it away. Uh, and I'm then gonna... for 12, there's one program on the rise. I know both of those. All right, then. We'll do all that on our Monday show. We'll be back with you uh, then. Guys, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again very soon. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.